to help you understand, first of all, the love of God for His people as we are in Christ. Secondly, the ministry of that love language between His bride and the bridegroom. It's a beautiful, wonderful story. Many Christians are, are living under the old covenant instead of fully realizing the new covenant in Christ and the wonderful love story that this is. Just recently, just sharing my own heart, recently as I've been having opportunity to pray for people and pray with people, as I begin to pray with them, God is just flooding my heart with His love for them. And it just changes the way you approach people. You know, they may be a mess and all messed up, but Father loves them so deeply. And I'm finding that when I begin to pray, I just begin to say, oh, how much God loves you. Because so many people don't know that. And so many believers don't know that. They're under such condemnation and shame of their own failures, and I recognize that. But the Holy Spirit isn't here to condemn. He's here to convict, to help us change our mind on those things because of the love He has for us. And so I want to share with you tonight this wonderful love story and if we could I may not necessarily teach and I may not necessarily preach we may just have a discussion and let's let the Holy Spirit in on all this to just move our hearts amen can we do that and so what I want to start with is God's love song his prophetic love song that he sang well I believe before the beginning of creation but he sang it out at different times he would burst in song over Israel prophetically singing of the Messiah and what he was going to do to bring salvation to all nations all flesh all people we see in Zephaniah chapter 3 17 it says this the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Wow, wouldn't you love to hear Father sing over you? I think of being a father, and I used to sing uh, to my kids at night. Hush, little baby, don't sing. Right? Don't say a word, Daddy's gonna buy you a monkey. I don't think Jesus, you know, God's not necessarily singing that song. But I, I remember, and then sometimes when I talk with my kids and they hear that song, immediately they go to that place of comfort and where they lie in bed and you'd sing over them, you know? And so I'd like you to find the comfort of God singing over you. Some of you may not have had a, a, a warm, loving father, but you do now. And we need to learn to hear that song that he's singing. Now consider this. The Lord your God is in your midst. Now, he was in the midst of Israel through his Shekinah presence and through the, the covenant law that was put in that ark, the Ark of Testament. Uh, and, uh, but that's about the best they had going for him. Where now we have Christ, God, come in flesh. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And even better than that is because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his atoning blood, He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness so that now His very Spirit can dwell in us. How much closer can you get than that? He's in the midst of us. He's in us. And He doesn't leave and come back in the morning when you get up. He's here. He's in our midst. And this is a song that God's singing over us. That the Lord is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. I like that. El Gabor. 
You've heard of El Kabong. Maybe some of you remember El Kabong. It's a cartoon from a long time ago, you know. It's a horse with a guitar and he'd bomb people. Does anybody remember that cartoon? Nobody? Okay, four of you can validate that. <laughs> it was Queekstraw McGraw, and he would put a mask on and become El Kabong. Okay? God's not El Kabong, he's El Gabor. Isaiah 9, 6 says that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. That word in Hebrew, mighty God, is actually this, a mighty warrior. Jesus is a mighty warrior. You know, paintings don't depict him that way. Paintings kind of make him look like a hippie from the 60s in California. You know, he's this and that. And, but the mighty warrior who came to destroy the works of the devil, destroy sin, destroy death. He vanquished over death and the grave. He is our mighty warrior. He defeated every enemy we've had. And so we don't have to live in defeat. We live in the love song of the mighty warrior. After Moses crossed the Red Sea and it parted, the mighty warrior of God's Word broke forth and destroyed Pharaoh's army. And what was the first thing Miriam began to do? Sing a song. Right? And some of you watched U of M and MSU and as soon as there was a victory, the fight song was played. I don't know MSU's fight song. You remember, everybody knows U of M's. But again, immediately the band sings, and see, song has power. And so the mighty warrior sings over defeating the enemy, even if it's a, ah, praise God. So he's mighty and he will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. There's a lot of singing, a lot of shouting, a lot of, ah, says when one soul gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. Now that's a lot of voices up there. Two-thirds of the angels, we know that one-third went with the devil, so two-thirds are up there shouting for joy. And think of all the saints that have gone on before, shouting for joy. There's a lot of noise up there. A lot of singing and shouting and rejoicing with gladness. Wow. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. God is happy for you. Remember that you are in Christ. And this is the beauty of salvation. It's no excuse to sin, but it is a rejoicing in the sense that we've been found in Christ, so we have the relationship with the Father that Jesus has. He's brought us into that relationship solely on His virtue, not ours. And that's something to be glad about. God sings over you. He's glad that His Son purchased you with His blood. He sees what you're becoming instead of what you are. So this is wonderful. I mean, this is a great song. He will quiet you with His love. Right? Like I said, I sang to my kids, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Daddy's gonna... That's a terrible song when you think about it. <laughs> if that mockingbird doesn't sing... You know, there's death and death, all sorts of things. But anyways. Um, but th what lullabies does God sing over you? What love songs does He sing? I don't think God's songs end. He's an eternal being. I don't think they have to come to an end. So he sings, and it says here that he quiets you. If we could hear the song of God, I think we would quiet ourselves a little bit more. If we would recognize, shh, wait a minute, I think he's singing. Instead of us making all our demands and our lists on what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to do it. 
But there's a love song being sung over us. And then it says this, He will exalt, exalt. He will joyously, riotlessly love and shout with loud singing. Wow! God sings loud. Martin Luther said that that, uh, music is the language, the only thing that exists both in heaven and on earth. Besides God's Spirit. Music is the only thing that transcends between heaven and earth. It's something that takes place in both realms. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And that's a prophetic verse of Jesus. It's from the Psalms, but it says the writer of Hebrews ascribes this to Jesus who says in the midst of the congregation, I will sing with my brethren, with you, with us, praises to the Father. Right now, the Spirit of God in us is together singing with us to the praise of the Father and the Father singing over us. You see, so there's something prophetically happening right now. There is song and music and intimacy being sung between the bride and the bridegroom right now. How? I don't want to miss this. You know? I don't want to overlook this with program or activities that are not tuned into it. I want to be totally tuned into that. You ever tune on music? I hate static in a radio. People don't even listen to radio anymore. But anyways, you know, don't you hate it when the station was almost out? But oh, what happens when the congregation, when the saints together get it tuned right, get it tuned in, we wait upon God, we hear His singing and He hears our singing, and we hear Jesus singing in our midst. Now believe it or not, that is the normative, that's the normal assembly of the saints that's what should be taking place when we gather together but sometimes we're distracted from what we're carrying the weight of our burdens the conflicts the the troubles but we could be quieted if we'd hear the voice of father singing his love songs over us now so what i want to share with you is that there is in fact a marriage song In Revelation 15, it says that there is the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And there's a special song, there's a special activity in Scripture. If you would look up the bride and the bridegroom, you will see in a number of Old Testament statements that when God is talking about His blessing upon the land, He says your crops will bring forth great fruit, I will bless you, and the song of the bride and the song of the bridegroom will be sung. Because when there's peace in the land and things are good, people get married and they celebrate and have a good thing. But there's something prophetic about that too. That when salvation has been satisfied through the blood of Jesus, the bride and the bridegroom will sing their song. Because it's right by the blood of Christ through the work of of the cross and so we're here and so take a look at the new testament when the church gathers together there's the song of the bride look on your outline here ephesians 5 18 and 19 it says don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit 
Why? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making medley, medley, melody in your heart to the Lord. All right, so we're supposed to, as we gather together, we're to be filled with the Spirit. Now, if we're filled with the Spirit, that's Christ speaking through the assembly to the Father. That's the Spirit in our midst. If we're filled with the Spirit and we're gathered together, it says that we are to be speaking to each other ourselves psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And what do they do? Sing and make melody in your heart to whom? To the Lord. This isn't for our uh, pleasure. This is for His pleasure. We, we sang a couple songs tonight to please Father. Sometimes, you know, we've become a culture so consumer-oriented that, that we do everything for what we want. And I, I get caught in the trap. How many of you ever get caught in the trap like this? You go to church and go, well, I didn't really like that song. Really? Dad did. It's not about, you know, did it have a good beat? Could I dance to it? And could it, was, is peppy? You know? Oh, it was one of those slow ones. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I've, I've been having a little trouble because lately I've been tuning in to um, a lot of critics lately of the church and especially of, of the full gospel or Pentecostal, charismatic, all those titles. A lot of critics on that. And, and they, they criticize a lot of the worship music as singing, you know, those crooning songs, those love songs that uh, they sing. Uh, and you could sing to a, someone like a husband or wife those love songs, but they sing them to the Lord. It's like, yeah. Are you not getting this? <laughs> exactly right. But it's sad to me that some people think of it as too mushy or this or that. Really? This is the greatest love story ever. The greatest love story ever. And so he says that you're to sing out of your heart. Out of your heart. Now hymns are songs of the church historically, of doctrine, of of good understanding of what Scripture says. We learn and we teach through hymns. But, But then there's choruses and psalms from Scripture in the Old Testament, but then there's spiritual songs. Spiritual songs come from here. And it's no longer about the music. It's no longer uh, uh, about the cerebral activity. It's about the song from the heart that the bride begins to sing over her bridegroom. And again, our music often is criticized because it's repetitive. You know? And we can sing a chorus over and over and over again. Because it's not about the words. I mean, when you think about it, when you tell your wife or you tell your husband, I love you, honey. I love you. I love you. They don't go, well, that's a bit repetitive. <laughs> Could you come up with a few other words? Because it's not about the words. It's about a heart that's opened to the bridegroom. And the bride is just enraptured in her love that's what the assembly's about come together because it's time to sing with each other and sing to your bridegroom he's in the midst singing to the father and again remember what we started off with in zephaniah he's singing he's dancing he's shouting over his people we often think he's up there looking to see who he can zap you're out 
And the problem with that is we don't understand salvation. So many do not understand what salvation is. Now, Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace where? In your hearts to the Lord. These are heart songs. These are love songs. I do not have to apologize for being emotionally attached to my Lord. Of course it is necessary to have proper doctrine. Of course it is necessary to study the Word of God. And I'm not getting rid or diminishing any of these. Uh, We understand that. We know that. But it's just as equally valid that your heart is completely fixed on the one you love. I mean, I could know my finances at home. I could understand what kind of deal I got on the house, how our cars are running. I'm failing at all those right now, but anyways, uh, how the car's running and how the, uh, the plumbing's doing in the house and all this, but my wife doesn't care how much knowledge I know about that. She wants my heart. The other stuff's important, but she wants my heart. And so does the Lord. You came here tonight to sing a love song to Him because He's been singing over you all day. Singing His love over you. Now let's take a look at these spiritual songs. Spiritual songs, spiritual songs. It's something in the Spirit that as Christ is in us, He begins to sing through us. We begin to connect heart to heart and we begin to worship God. Spiritual songs are divided into two voices. And this is very popular in Hebrew singing and uh, music. That there are two voices coming from one side to another. I remember an experience I had in in Russia. We were in Leningrad before it was renamed again St. Petersburg. This was back in 1990. And uh, I remember I had the opportunity to go into a Russian Orthodox church one of the few that were still left standing. And as I was in there, very ornate cathedral, right? I mean, gold leaf everywhere and a gate where you couldn't cross. And, uh, you know, it was set up like an Old Testament model. That was the Holy of Holies, this and that. And in the loft around that special place where only the priests could be were um, choirs. And as you're standing there, I mean, you felt like you were in heaven. Because a choir would declare one thing and a choir would answer over here. And a choir over here, and you're just like, wow. Just voice of angels. You couldn't see them either. And there was just echoing in this place. And it felt amazing. But Hebrew song is like that. There's always a declaration and an answer. Even the book of Deuteronomy, when it was declared whether you would follow the blessing or the cursing of God, God had the people stand on two separate mountains. One was lush and one was rocky and stony. And he had Moses declare that if you will follow the law of God, you will be blessed. And the people declared the blessing from the one side of the mountain that was lush and green. And then he had the other people declare the curses from the other side of the mountain that was all rocky and harsh and stony. See, God can paint a really good picture. He knows we're visual. He knows that we need to see those things. So there's always this declaration and an answer. A declaration and an answer response. And it's called redounding. Redound. Not rebound. 
redound with a D because it's an answer to a declaration. And that's what communication and love does. Love must have an object that it speaks to and that object responds its love back. And that's what's going on tonight. That's what's going on in our midst. As we are singing unto Him, He's singing over us. And we respond back to Him and He responds back to us. Right? Did you ever shake anybody's hand that's like the, the cold fish handshake? Ooh. Right? Hey, how you doing? And you shake their hand and they're like this. It's just like... Pfft. How flat sometimes are we in responding back to God? Have you ever tried to hug someone and they're like this? Right? <laughs> it's usually after you scold one of your kids, right? Come here, I love you. And they're like, no, I don't. Can you imagine that God is singing over us and we're like this? No. Or He puts His hand out to greet and shake us and we, we're that cold, limp fish. There's got to be a heart in this. He's looking for this love in us. And so the song of the bride is the voice of the bride. The song of the bridegroom is the voice of the bridegroom. And it's in this dialogue of love between a husband and a bride that we see. We see it prophetically throughout the Scriptures. Father God was married to Israel. He keeps speaking of Israel as his wife. He says, I want to be in the midst of you. I want you to remain faithful to me. It's a love story. We all want a love story. And Jesus came for a bride. Look at Song of Solomon. That is a perfect book to understand this answer. It's even, even written in the Hebrew sense of uh, they believe that basically it was sung. Well, oh, that would make sense. It's called the what? Oh, yeah. It's a song. Why would a book that describes the love of Christ to His bride, what else should it be but a song? It's a song and it was believed the certain acts and different singers that would sing it that one would present the bride's song to the bridegroom and the song of the bridegroom would answer back. And it's this beautiful love story. And so let me share with you some of the commentaries of it. John Gill is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, commentator. He's uh, from the 1800s. He was, uh, I believe he preached in the church that Spurgeon preached in. He was less famous than Spurgeon, but quite an amazing scholar. And I, I love him as a commentator. Listen to what he says. The whole song is figurative and allegorical, expressing in a variety of lively metaphors the love, union, and communion between Christ and and his church, setting forth the several different frames, cases, and circumstances of believers in this life. There is no case, no circumstance, no spiritual condition that we may be in regarding our relationship to Christ which is not expressed in this sacred song of love. It's a reference to the church. We're the song of Solomon. We're the bride and he's the bridegroom. Spurgeon said this, this book stands like the tree of life in the midst of the garden. And no man shall ever be able to pluck its fruit and eat thereof until first he's been brought uh, by Christ past the sword of the cherubim and led to rejoice in the love which hath delivered him from death. The song of Solomon is only to be comprehended by men whose standing is within the veil. 
The outer court worshipers, or even those who only enter the court of the priests, think the book is a very strange one. But they who come very near to Christ can often see in this Song of Solomon the only expression which their love to their Lord desires. That's powerful. That's why there are times when we can be in the midst together and we become enraptured by the presence of Christ. You can feel the weight and presence of His glory as you're singing your love song to Him. And you can hear and sense His love song over you. And there can even be people in that experience that are like, right? Because they can't get into the veil. They can't get in beyond because they're, they're here instead of here. Now this is valuable up here, but when combined with the heart, it's everything. So the Song of Solomon is that beautiful song, that spiritual song that takes place in the church. Now let's take a look at our song. And I want you to see that in New Testament worship, this is the model. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, where the early church was a mess. And Paul had to instruct them as to what should be taking place with spiritual gifts in the midst of worship. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 2 and 3. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I'm not going to go into a full exposition on 1 Corinthians 14, but here's the basics of it. There's the prayer language of speaking in tongues that is to edify the individual and it's not for the congregation. And as he says right in that verse, you're speaking mysteries between you and God. In other words, you're speaking in the Spirit between you and God. It's a fellowship and communion between you and God. Okay, It's giving voice to the intercession of the Holy Spirit within you. And you're praying that. But if everybody's talking out in tongues, no one's going to understand what's going on. It's a mess. It's mayhem. So it should be brought to the level of just the, the corporate level of worship. Then there's the gift of tongues that as that is under the unction of the Spirit to be spoken out above the assembly, there should be an interpretation. And if it's not that gift, it should be brought down so that there's order. And so that's basically what he says throughout that chapter. But what is really being done here as you look a little deeper is that there, and he says, forbid not the speaking of tongues. And when he says, be silent and speak to God, that word silent is bring it down, but speak to God. Remember, worship in the Bible is always audible. How many of you know I teach this all the time? And so what do I expect from us? It's not me. What does God expect from us? Audible praise. It's nice to think about God, but what power does it have on planet Earth for you to think about God or to declare and say it and speak it, right? The devil's busy getting everybody to curse and swear and say everything into the earth realm. And the church stays mute. Well, I'm thinking about him. Speak it. Now, what he says is to bring the tongues down, but speak to God and so what's happening is when the church is together and we're praying in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit or speaking in tongues, there is a song of the bridegroom that's going to God. Now, he then says what takes place in verse 3 is prophecy. He says this, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to whom? 
the assembly to men. So here we have, as in the Song of Solomon, and that redounding, what we have is people filled with the Spirit, speaking spirit praise to God, a spiritual song, psalms and hymns to God as New Testament worship, speaking that out to Him, and His response is prophecy to edify, exhort, and comfort back to us. So here we have the love song in the New Testament church. We've got the song of Solomon here. So as we're worshiping him, singing, we sing psalms together, we we sing the same words so we're in unity and one accord, we sing hymns so our doctrine's correct and we declare it, and then we move into the spiritual songs where we begin to sing in the Spirit, we sing with understanding. We begin to, even after the song's finished, we, we just love him, we praise him, and spiritual song takes place so that we begin to engage our heart not just our mind, into loving God, and then what comes back over us? The song of the Lord, prophetically. And what does the song of the Lord do? We read it in Zephaniah, but let's read it in Corinthians. Let me share with you the love song of Jesus. It is this, to edify, exhort, and comfort. That's what His singing over us does. It is a prophetic word of the Lord singing over us. So on the back page, take a look at this. What are the benefits of Christ's song? Because it says that the prophecy comes to edify, comfort, and, and, and exhort us. What is prophecy? The testimony of Jesus. Right? The spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus. The spirit of the prophetic is the declaration of Him. Revelation 19.10 The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's the declaration of Christ Himself. So when that prophecy comes over us, it's Jesus, it's the bridegroom singing over His church because the church has been singing to Him. Now come on, man. I mean, if you're standing in your house and your wife's going, sweetie pie, honey bunch, are you going to ignore that? Jesus hears his bride singing. What's he going to do? Answer her. He wants to sing over her. He wants to pour out his love over her. Amen? And so what does he do? It says this, But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. You know what we've done with this portion of Scripture? We've kept it all in the human level. When we read it, we go, okay, well, men or women are prophesying in the church. We know that men can prophesy. Do you have the gift of prophecy? We can have prophecy, and that's people prophesying. Let's not forget what the whole thing's about. What is prophecy? Him talking to us. We forgot about that. We go, ooh, did you hear that prophecy Bobby gave? Yeah, Bob's cool, man. I love Bobby. He's got a good word every time. It's not Bobby. Thank God Bobby's faithful to say a few things, but it's not Bobby. And then Alice said that one word, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't like when Martha sang out her prophecy. You know, sometimes she says the same thing every time. It's a love song. If Jesus wants to say, I love you, I love you, I love you, who are you to criticize him? But we get so human in the origin of this, we say, well, it's not deep enough. It wasn't deep enough. Well, I'm sorry, but when my wife says, honey, I love you, Mm, not deep enough, honey, not good enough, 
A little more meat to that, please. <laughs> right? Come on. We've gotten so mechanical in this. We've gotten so mechanical with 1 Corinthians 14. We forgot that this is a song being written between the bridegroom and the bride. And so we may have prophecies, and it may be that same old prophecy, I love you, my child. I love you, and I'll never forsake you. I'll always be here. Is that a worthy love song? Yeah. How many of you need to hear that every day? Right? You, you don't mind it when it's on WMUZ and the, the guy's singing the same song over and over? Oh, I like that song. Turn it up. Right? Let's remember that the prophetic is the bridegroom speaking back. There's an activity going on. And so as we're discerning it, let's move into that. So prophecy is the song that instructs, it, it tells us, it foretells God's Word and what He wants to do with His people. It's Jesus speaking back. Secondly, the songs that Jesus sing are to encourage us, to build us up. Okadameo is a word that means to build or erect a pile of stones. He's building us up. In our most precious faith, He's building us up to strengthen us. When He sings over you, He's trying to strengthen you in His love. It goes on and He says that He's wanting to, what? Exhort us. To spur us on. Paraclesis. Very similar to the word parakletos which is the word for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. He's encouraging us. Come on, you can do this. Hang in there. Don't give up on me. I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. His song over us encourages us. Right? I, I, how many of you remember that uh, Chariots of Fire? Right? I was... Uh, I was working on my master's degree uh, in fine arts a uh, hundred years ago, and um, I, I had to pull an all-nighter because my show, my final show, was coming up, and I was dead tired. It was like two in the morning, and I'm going, "I'm never going to get this done. It's going to be crummy. I'm not going to graduate. It's not going to work." And I had my radio on, you know, and I'm listening. I'm all alone, uh, and 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 all of a sudden, you hear that. I felt this power. I can do this. And began moving. Right? Or the Rocky theme. Right? Music stirs, doesn't it? You hear a certain tune, a certain melody, and you're like, yeah, 1812 Overture, right? That's what the Spirit of God's singing over you to edify you, encourage you. Man, I want to run to church. I want to run to the assembly. There's a concert on tonight, and Jesus is the conductor, and you get to sing a love song to Him, and He's going to sing a triumphant song over you and raise you up triumphantly on wings as eagles. Wow! That's the prophetic presence of God. It's a love song. And then he goes on, he'll comfort us to soothe us, heal us, release his tender care and intimacy on us to speak closely to us. 
Can I tell you if we would remember that there is a prophetic song going on, that it's the song of the bride to the bridegroom coming together. And like I said, people don't understand it. People don't get it. And it doesn't translate over TV. You ever see wonderful Christian concerts where the people are just praising God? People on the stage are excited praising God. And you're watching it on TV and people are like, hmm? They look weird. Right? They don't get it. Because they're not in the love song. They're not love sick. But we are. And they don't get it. Now here's the result of what will happen. You don't even have to sing. You may not participate, but you'll, be re- you'll get a reaction. Look at what happens. Here's what's supposed to happen. 1 Corinthians 14, 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, He is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report, God is truly among you. You can't walk into a love fest. You can't walk into a love feast. You can't walk into the prophetic presence of Jesus and not be moved. That's why we're here. Be strengthened and comforted. As Father sings over us, yes, we learn, and yes, we grow, and yes, we learn doctrine, and yes, we learn obedience, and yes, we do all of that, but we get a big hug and embrace into the presence of God. I know many folks that have come into these worship services that can't stop crying once they come in, and they don't know that was you. (laughs) I... I remember Jody McLean. She's going to be speaking this Sunday. Uh, she's a missionary now in Tijuana, Mexico. And as she was there, I remember the first service she came to. Wasn't saved. But she came up to me afterwards, weeping, bawling her eyes out. She said, I don't understand what's going on, and I don't get this. I don't understand one thing is going on, but it can't stop. First <laughs> Corinthians 14, she walked into a love song. And then she got wrapped up in this love song, and she's never left it, and she won't. Because she's embraced by the song of the bridegroom and she loves to sing to him. While she's walking the streets of Tijuana in the red light district, she's singing a love song to Jesus and he's singing over her his protection and his love that comes out of her to prostitutes on the street. This love song is to be sung everywhere by the people of God who love him passionately. The result is that people will worship God and say truly he's in this place. So what should we do? 1 Corinthians 14. What is the conclusion then, Paul says? I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll praise with understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit and I'll sing with understanding. (laughs) I'll do it all. I'll use my thinking and I'll use my heart. I'll declare doctrine and I'll teach, but I'll sing love songs to my Savior. And I conclude this. In 1 Chronicles 15.22, Kenaniah, it says this, he was a Levite. Kenaniah, leader of the Levites, was an instructor, instructor in charge of the music. Why? Because he was skillful. goes on in verse 27 and says, Kenaniah is the music master. He was skilled. He understood music. He knew how to write it. But what's greater than that is the meaning of his name. Why him? In Hebrew, Kenaniah means planted in the garden of the Lord. 
with the power of significant growth. He was planted into the garden of the Lord with the potential to grow and bear great fruit. How many of you remember our teaching on being grafted into the vine a couple weeks ago? You've been grafted into Christ, His root system, His power to bear fruit in you. You've been grafted into a garden of God. You're skilled and you are a master of the love of God to this dying world out there that doesn't know it. Can you sing a song? Well, somebody, I can't sing at all. We'll rap a song. I don't care. Express yourself. Do anything. Make a shout to the Lord. Make a noise to God. You've been grafted into His root system. You're a master musician of a love song that He wrote for you. Sing it. Sing it like this man. Ken and I speak it out like him. Ken and I is the master of song. Isn't it interesting? God had a garden. And who did he plant in the garden? Man. And man was to be the master of the garden, to sing his song into the earth with the potential to bear the fruit in the garden of God because he was a master of song. I believe it started with song. It's going to end with song. And we will worship Him all the days of our lives for eternity. The Master of Song, the Lord has planted the church to bear fruit of His love in a world through the song of Christ. And so tonight, we looked at a love song. We looked at what the song of the Lord is. It's a song over us that God sings. And we sing back in response to Him. And He responds back to us. 1 Corinthians 14 explains this spirit song that is taking place back and forth. I conclude with this, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. That's what He's been planning. He's in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness and He'll quiet you with His love. He will exalt over you with loud Singing. Let's bow our heads tonight.